0: Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchie, Coach over in the Kimberley area with the Fox Valley Throws. Coach, what do we got going on? What's going on over there in the Fox Valley?
1: Oh, just it's great to see things back to normal as far as kids doing lots of summer athletics and different activities and everybody being out. And uh, it's just a great opportunity to get things Semi back to normal there, Coach Bot. How about you at Sports Advantage?
0: Yeah, we start our summer programs here coming up. Um, You know, we we had a lot of different schools, ending days and and things like that. So we try and offer as many sessions to accommodate everybody that we can. Um, But, you know, our our summer starts here coming up on June 13th, I would believe. That's when our summer schedule starts. Um, So we got that rolling. I got uh, Rob Havenstein's coming back. So he'll be back this week. Just been messaging with him here the last couple of days. Looking forward to having him and Alex Erickson back. Um, so, yeah, so everything's kind of in full swing here. Uh, Coach, we had a couple of your guys on, last couple of guests here. Mike Hardy, who obviously played at Kimberly, uh, played at Iowa. And then Clay, who uh, is a nephew of yours, correct? He's your nephew, second nephew? He's a second cousin. cousin. Second, second cousin, cousin yes. Um, and so he's playing at Winona State and both really great guests. I thought, um, you know, they did a great job talking about some different things that they've gone through and uh, things like that. So they were, they were really good. So I think we want to hit on some of their topics today, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And it, you know, it's great because I know these two are having <coughs> listeners to our podcast and I know Clay has been up by us and he's very close with some of our Kimberly guys at our football players at Winona state. And we got a bunch of them up there right now. Tanner Johnson's up there. He just transferred from Minnesota state Then Brett Peroni and, and Griffin Weagle And, and it's uh, just great to have Clay come from such a small school and go to Winona state, which is division two football. It's great football. And um, it's great to see our kids when they went there, Clay was really open arms with them. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of our listeners are going through right now. They're going to different colleges right. and you know, they're the, they're the little minnow in the big pond now again. And it's nice when those older upperclassmen kind of take those younger guys under the wings and it's exactly what we preach at the high school level with you know upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, even sophomores helping the incoming freshmen out because that can be quite the, the drastic experience uh, for those individuals. So that's, we're in the process of doing that right now with our summer training. And you talk about summer training. Bob, we talk about this all the time, but as strength and conditioning coaches, I really think summer training is so valuable in really making progress with athletes out there so if you're not doing summer training at your school or if you're doing a summer training and you think that you could be doing a little bit more to enhance your athleticism that's again where sports advantage comes in big time because you work so well with the high schools and with the individuals really trying to help them become better because some kids want more and a lot of times what I've seen Brian is kids Kids will do more on their own, but they're not knowledgeable and they think they're helping themselves, but realistically, they're just hurting themselves. So athletes, it's very important that if you want more and parents do, because parents always want, hey, how can my son or daughter get a little more competitive advantage? That competitive advantage is done with a professional that can assess the athlete and therefore bring up those weaknesses to really help the athlete become a lot better as far as movement skills, you know, and, and, and strength and explosiveness.
0: Well, and two, Dean, I think that comes down to coaches as well, being taking your ego out of it, that your kids are, are going somewhere else to, to get some extra work in. Now there, there's a lot of things that come into play with that. You know, if you're running your, your summer high school strength and conditioning program, and a lot of your kids are, are coming and you got good attendance and then they're looking to get some extra work. And that's one thing, um, you know, and you should encourage that. And if you don't encourage that, you're holding your kids back. Um, and that's just straight facts. So there, there, there's no 100 percent complete program out there. There's just no way um, with the, the job that you high school strength coaches do, which is exceptional because you have to manage so many kids in a short amount of time. But there's, there's no way a lot of your kids, and especially your kids that wanna play in college, can be getting every single thing they need. So if they're looking to go do extra work at our place or somewhere else, if they're looking to do some other things to make themselves better, you should be encouraging that and not telling them, no, you don't need that. Because trust me, okay, we've seen enough kids walk through our doors. Most kids need a little bit more than what they're getting. The other thing is this, if a lot of your kids aren't showing up and they're going other places, you probably should reevaluate what you're doing in your program. Because at the end of the day, with the amount of social media, with the amount of knowledge, with the amount of you know, ability for people to get smarter, knowledge is doubling. I think I, I, I saw a podcast, knowledge doubles. I, I believe it's every nine months, something like that, where, where people get twice as, can get twice as much knowledge in that amount of time because it's right at our fingertips. So if a lot of your kids are leaving and going somewhere else and are not even showing up, you should probably take a personal inventory on some of the things that are doing that you're doing there. And that's not me being rude. That's just the reality of what it is. Parents are more educated. Athletes are more educated. The grass is not always greener, that's for sure. But at the end of the day, if they feel like they're not getting developed, um, you know, those are some real conversations that you need to have with your kids and, and with yourself and, and evaluate what's going on. Yeah, Brian, you know, the
1: big situations or, or conversations I have with a lot of coaches and then I'll ask them, they'll, they'll be like, you know, I, you got, you're a big promoter of track and field. And, and then they'll, they'll tell me, well, we don't promote track and field because, you know, for example, this is just an example. Maybe our football coach doesn't agree with the track coach and, and, you know, our track program doesn't do a really good job. know there's some truth to that you know if you're going to promote something as a coach or as a parent it's got to be a a situation where it's got a great reputation and they're going to do an excellent job and i think you know what you do at sports advantage that puts a little bit of pressure on high schools to make sure that they're educating and they're doing a good job right because if you don't have a good program you know kids want great training and they want great coaching And that, if you're a a coach that really wants the best for their athletes and every coach wants to win, Brian, that you are going to try to do whatever you can to help your kids be successful. And that's really going to help your team if it's a team sport as well.
0: Well, and Dean, the one thing that I can stand on for myself and for, for my business is, you know, when I talk to high school coaches, they're like, well, you're running a business Well, you, you know, you need to make money. You need to run a business. No question. There's no doubt about that but I would challenge any high school coach out there that feels that way, that has ever called me and I've said, no, I'm not gonna help you because I know if I don't don't help you, your kids will come to me because we'll do it better. We will help any high school coach. We will, I've answered every question. Dean, you call me and ask me questions all the time. Now obviously we're best friends, but you know, there's never been a time I'm like, "Uh, I don't know if I wanna share that with you. Like like we share the conjugate method 100% openly. I've had two of my directors on here sharing exactly how they do it in their gyms. We share it with coaches nonstop. So yes, do we have a business? Absolutely. But the way we go about things is we want what's best for the kids. And that's why my phone, my cell phone is readily available for any coach that wants to call and ask questions. Our doors are unlocked. You know, I, I learned this from elite FTS and and from the Laura Phelps and West Side barbell some of the best people in the, the world, doors are always open. If you want to get better, come walk through the door. It's not that hard. I understand gas is a little expensive, but if you know if you want to get on a call instead, that's fine. But we're always here to help. And yes, I do have a business to run. And yes, you know, we want as many kids to come through our doors as we can. But we're not going to downgrade your program and, and not have try and help you have success you know, to try and boost what we're trying to do up. We're good enough on our own. I, I feel good enough about, you know, we do what we do um, and it's not for everybody and that's okay. I don't want it for everybody. I want it for the people that fit our culture. Just like Dean, you want the kids that fit your Kimberly football culture or your throws culture, just like at some Prairie, they want kids that fit their culture and things like that. So I, I think it comes down to high school coaches you know, you have to continue to improve yourself, continue to get better, continue to seek knowledge because what you did last year probably isn't what you should be doing this year exactly, you know, um, and go from there. And so again, I, I firmly believe that I understand that we have a business to run and we run it, you know, at a, at a very high level, but at the end of the day, we're never holding back knowledge. Like, you know, there are some other places that do that. You know, that, you know, they think they got the golden ticket, the golden secret. They got all the gimmicks. Guess what? Great methods win over great gimmicks every day. For sure. And that's the end of the day. So after we're done with that, coach, let's hop on something that, that Mike Hardy talked about, um, talked about, you know, his experiences with a couple different coaches that he had. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a great thing. You know, we talked about it afterwards is how the really great coaches know how to adapt to the different athletes that they have um, with, with their coaching style and things like that. Now you're going to have your philosophies. You're going to have your demeanor, right? Some, some guys are, they got, they want to have the tough, you know, intimidating demeanor, which is fine. You can have that. But when you're communicating with your kids, you have to know your individual kids and you have to know what makes them tick and you have to know, you know, how you can, get your message across to that athlete maybe if you make a mistake in a drill okay I'm going to communicate that differently to you than I am to coach Mangan because maybe coach Mangan is he likes more vocal maybe you like me to be real cerebral with you and so I thought I really love that point that Mike was talking about in college Dean
1: yeah I know I just remember when Mike was in college and we would still have that communication and I'd ask him how things are going and you know, how he was adapting from high school to college. I think, you know, that was that was a big change for him because I was one of his coaches in the D-line. And uh, it was really hard for him to have a person that was just totally opposite, that was screaming and yelling and just high, high octane, high, high um, adrenaline, you know, all the time, just constantly and and just outwardly, screaming and yelling and, and criticizing in front of others. And then I think that was very difficult for him. Cause I just remember Mike was always an individual that, you know, before everybody explained the why you know, he, he was one of those individuals, you know, now everybody talks about, Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And then explaining it to the kids. He was one of those individuals way back then is that he wanted to know why, why do you place your hands here? Why, what's the advantage if I do that? What's the advantage if my step is, is this duration instead of, you know, a real big step. He always wanted to know the reason why it was gonna make him better. And that cerebral approach was just kind of his personality. And he learned much better that way. And I, we find that out, I think one thing you find that out is when you are, you're a teacher and a lot of our guests have, have mentioned that, you know, you, you're, a lot of your best coaches are teachers. And you have, you have to understand there's lots of different learning styles and there's different ability levels and you got to figure out what makes that person tip. And then when Coach Hardy, that person left and he got a new D-line coach, it was just the opposite. And he was very patient. He was a teacher. And and Mike said that he he really was a teacher. He taught before he started coaching and he really got that relationship built with him, spent those extra times, hours in film, and really breaking it down in a way that Mike could comprehend, and they're, therefore it transferred, and he was a much better football player. And I think you see this at the youth level, Brian, we see it in every sport, is, you know, there is a parent, and we understand that parents, a lot of times aren't teachers, they got different jobs, and they're going in this situation, and they're volunteering their time, Right. You know, yes. you've said it numerous times, it's hard. You know, a lot of people don't want to coach and they don't want to put the hours in for free and they're volunteering and, and everything else. They're just doing it because a lot of times nobody else wants to do it. And yep. then there's other parents when they choose to do it that are complaining. And, you know, if you're one of those parents, get in there and help out. Right. Get in there and help Have out. Don't be sitting there bashing the coach. It, it's not easy to do it. A lot of times it's not even their passion or not even their expertise. They were just doing it because they wanted to have to be a good experience for their son or daughter. Right. So you definitely have to make sure you can adapt to these individuals and you have to be patient and you have to kind of figure out what ticks I've learned that, in, you know, in track and field, a lot of kids just want to be a part of a program. They want to be on a team. We see this a lot with track. Well, we had like 140 kids sign up for track coach Pot and, I'll tell you, a lot of those individuals just want to be part of something. And, and we saw that with COVID hit. And they just want to be on the team. And they don't want to be pushed. They want to kind of go at their own level. They're doing it for their social skills. They're, maybe their friends are out. Maybe mom and dad are telling them, hey, you got to do some kind of activity. It's not only good for your body, but it's also good for your brain. You know, it's good for the social aspect and everything else. And then you got some kids that, hey, they want to be the guy on the metal stand. Yep. They, got, they want to be the guy in the podium. They want to be the all-state person. And, you know, let's go back to football now. Same thing. A lot of kids are just happy being part of that team, wearing that jersey, having that experience of, you know, underneath the lights on a Friday night. And then there's other kids that, as you know and I know, they're trying to get a scholarship. They want to play at the next level. They want to continue their athletic career once high school ends. And we know, you know, you have to be in the top 6% to play at any level.
0: Well, too, Dean. I think one of the best things, and, you know, I'm talking with Steve Jones and you, you know, over the years, you know, one of the things Steve used to do as far as, as far as evaluation of his coaches, you know, the first thing when I asked him, I was curious because I was getting to a point where I wanted to evaluate my trainers and things like that, and and I said, what what are some of the ways you evaluate your coaches? And he said the first thing is retention, how many kids Absolutely. come back out the next year? Yeah,
1: especially you know, at the youth levels.
0: Youth, right. youth youth, yeah, and, and freshmen.
1: Freshmen. We always said freshmen. Hey, those were the most important coaches in our program because if they quit or they get a bad experience, then you never have them at the varsity level.
0: Right. And I think with that, there, there, there's fine lines, right, between you know, instilling discipline in kids and yelling at them. Right? Yeah. I see this a lot, especially in the youth and and you know, even into the freshman level, you know, is instead of teaching and coaching, the first thing coaches want to do is yell because they think that that's what a coach is supposed to do. Okay. Instilling discipline with, which is where I see more need to raise your voice and yell is more appropriate than when you're trying to teach a kid that made a mistake. Because at the end of the day, if a kid jumps off sides in a freshman game, And you scream at him, okay? What's his natural reaction? Now he's going to line up two yards off the ball, and he's not—he's going to be laid off the ball because he's afraid to get humiliated. Okay, Um, you got to remember what you watch on Sundays and Saturdays. There's eighty-five thousand people in those stadiums, so when you see Nick Saban throw his headset down, or you know, and the other thing you have to remember is Nick Saban's making about a million dollars a game. Okay. To win that game. You know, I think the modeling that we see on TV, you have to put everything in perspective. You're coaching a freshman game where all you have is parents and lawn chairs. You know, well, at least at Memorial, we have that. I know Kimberly, you guys probably have 8,000 people in the stands and you got the band playing for your freshman. I'm just kidding. But you have limited amount of people. So everything you say, everybody hears. So if you're going to really get on a kid, here's my suggestion. Pull him aside. Don't humiliate him in front of everybody, in front of his parents, um, because the kid's not going to respond. Because he's not going to be looking at you. He's going to be looking to see what everybody else is saying. So if you really got to discipline a kid during a game, pull him aside. And and, and be professional about it. If you're volunteering, if you're volunteering to coach, coach youth sports, first off, thank you. You know, that that's a huge... That's that's a huge thing. We need more people to volunteer and help, um, but you also still have a responsibility to the kids. Okay. You know, I, was,
1: I was just talking, Brian, to a, a, another coach of mine, and their his daughters are playing little league softball and everything like that. And you know, one of the in one of the tournament games, he was mentioning that you know the that the coach went out there and disagreed with the, the umpire. And it just was adamant and and just made a big stink out of one of the plays. And, you know, the bottom line is the umpire was right. Right. And this, you know, this coach really put themselves out there and just kept on and on and on with this umpire. And then finally, the umpire must have just had (laughs) enough and said, look it up in the rule book. Nice. Good. And, And just really, you know, it was in a situation that he got humbled really quick. And that he was out there yelling at something. And yes, it it's different rules at different levels too. People remember that, like right. you said, what the NFL rules and the college rule and high school rules are all different. I think people lose perspective on that. Well, I watch a lot of college football. Well, guess what? The high school rules differ.
0: Well, so, the other thing, Dean. The other thing, Dean, is tournament to tournament they're different. Absolutely. Like like in like if you go to like play at Woodside in Boston, the rules there are different than if you go to play at the Rock in Franklin. So like it's not even just like from high school to it's, it's weekend to weekend and no nobody does. A, yeah. So anyways, too, I, I think, you know, talking about coaches too Dean, you know, one of the things that Mike discussed was he's a three sport athlete and he really wanted to be a basketball player, but at the same time, he knew that the, that in order to do that, he would have to give up some of the other things, you know, that he really enjoyed doing. And, and, you know we talk about it all the time dean we, we i think we hit on this topic almost once every podcast about being multi-sport athletes mm-hmm. but i think one of the things that mike talked about is that trusting coaches who who you know really cared about them that encouraged them to keep playing more sports um and at the end of the day coaches you know even if you run an aau program edge baseball we encourage our kids to play hockey we encourage our kids to play basketball there are things that you need to commit to okay so let's let's not get it you know fooled that you could just go wherever you want right at, at certain points there are times where baseball needs to be a priority in our program just like it should be in basketball or volleyball um but encourage kids if you really truly care about them long term all right you're going to encourage them to do as many sports as they can To do as many activities as they can and I always tell kids this Dean I said play until someone says you can't play anymore which means you get cut or you don't get recruited out of high school that's basically someone saying you know what you're not good enough to play anymore which is fine because like you said only six percent of the kids after high school get to go play you you know what I mean so you still could be in that a category you know in that top you know ten percent but you're just not in the top six
1: yeah, I think, you know, with Mike, I just remember you was a big <laughs> basketball kid. And, you know, I taught at the middle school level at one time in my teaching career, too. And there, there hasn't been a, a middle school boy that played basketball that didn't think they were going to go to the NBA. Right. I mean, they all think they're going to go to the NBA. And, you know, nowadays, AU basketball, I, I say, is so watered down, Brian, in that, you know, if if the parents got the money, and they're going to play on some kind of team because there's a gazillion teams out there. Right. I think you have to realize that as a parent, guess what, you know, what, what your kid does in fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade is, is not a determining factor. What is going to happen when they're at the varsity level. And I think so many times, you know, this kid's going to go to LSU and play football or this kid's, you know, he's going to go to Wisconsin and play basketball. If you look at the statistic, it's a very rare, And if you're a parent and you're, you're thinking, Hey, my kid's going to get a scholarship, the whole process. And I think the, 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 if you're putting pressure on your son or daughter to do that, I think you're really taking the love of the game. I think you're really taking the fun out of the friendships and the the time and the process and everything that athletics is teaching you. If you're going to continually work hard and you get that, mentality that you are going to work for everything you got those things are going to transfer into adulthood and into their careers and they're going to be very successful moms and dads someday employees or whatever but i think so many times parents go in with the mindset that hey, my kid's going to get a scholarship or the kid's mindset is if i don't get a scholarship this is a waste of my time right your mindset is it's totally flawed in my opinion, if that's why you are playing a sport. And if I've never seen, Brian, in my whole teaching career, now I'm going on your 28, where a kid quit a sport to specialize in a sport, and it's worked out positively for them. It has never happened that I've ever seen. Now, is that kid going on to college? Right. Yes, but did they quit a sport and get $150,000 $1, scholarship? No, right. Have people quit a a sport and got a thousand dollars scholarship to go somewhere? Absolutely. That has happened. But I've never seen most of the time, (laughs) I'll even say this, most of the time when a kid will quit a sport and specialize, that individual more likely will get hurt or they will be a worse player in that sport because I just think they just get burnt out. They, they alienate a lot of their friends because they were playing that other sport. And it becomes a very bad situation for those individuals. And they put all their eggs in one basket. And then all of a sudden something comes up. Maybe they get injured. Maybe they're doing too much. And all of a sudden, now what is there? And now them kids mentally are just deflated because they identify themselves with how good they play in their sport. And once they go into one sport now, all of a sudden they get hurt. What is their positive for them? That's their identity. And now they really think they're a failure. And we know that's obviously not true.
0: Correct. When I think too, the, the other thing, Dean, is what about the opportunities they missed on? What if Mike Hardy's is like, well, I'm just going to go try and play basketball. I'm going to quit football. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have been a division one basketball player. You know, he wouldn't have been playing on Saturday afternoons, you know, getting his tuition paid for and everything paid for. You know what I mean? What if, what if he would have quit throwing? You know what I mean? And, and I think that's the thing to me that, that is the mis- most disappointing is even like at a school like Kimberly, where, you know, let's be realistic. You guys have an opportunity to win a state championship every year in football. You, you're you're going to, you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I know you hate it when I talk like that, but you guys realistically have an opportunity, you know, to do it on a yearly basis, kind of like, you know, other schools too, Franklin, Wanakee, Bayport, you know, there's a lot of schools that that are in those conversations that have realistic opportunities on a yearly basis to, to win championships. Um, what if you miss out on that opportunity? Now, it, here's the other troubling part for me, Dean, is that if a kid says, well, I don't care about that. How can you not? How, how, if you're if you're a true great teammate how would you not want to win a state championship how would you not want to be on a team that that wins their last game and hoists a gold trophy like to me then that that's a red flag that you're a selfish individual you know what I mean even if we, we've talked about you know maybe basketball is your main thing but football you can be a contributor and you don't play because all you do is contribute you're not the star hiring like if I'm a hire, hiring you and I hear that, that's a huge red flag for me because you're just more worried about yourself than you are about the success of, of of the group.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, when you're a parent, Brian, it's, it's tough because a lot of times, you know, you sit and you want to listen to your, your son or daughter. And when they say they want to quit something, you know, I think there's a conversation that, you know, you really have to really have that great relationship with your son or daughter. You really have to think it out. And, and then, kind of get to a a realistic approach as far as what you're going to do because I've seen other parents tell kids yep if that was my if you know if that was my son or daughter I'd have them quit too I'd have them just specialize and I'm thinking what you're you're a parent of a friend and you're telling that parent what they should be doing right to me that is totally unfair and they shouldn't even have an, an opinion on that now you go into a school setting and now I think he you got to trust a Coach Mangan, a Coach Matchy, a Coach Jones, somebody that's in the building because, you know, this is what we do for a living, and we are going to guide you in a positive way, right? in a positive way. Ultimately, it's going to come down to the kid's decision. But many times I've seen kids, they're going to, for example, it's just youth football, and they're going to quit football. And then we talk to them, and, you know, they end up, staying out and playing football and the first thing what happens when they graduate is they thank you yep. because remember these are kids their frontal lobe isn't fully developed till you're 25 years old and we understand that they're going to make mistakes and they're getting all these different types of messages from people they're getting it from friends they're getting it from outsiders they're getting it from all these different people and i think athletes i think coaches you got to First of all, you gotta develop a great relationship and parents, you gotta really trust people that that your sons or daughters really highly value that have a reputation of doing what's best for kids, not, hey, we're doing this because we're gonna try to make money or we're gonna do this because this is gonna benefit my team. But holistically, w- what is the best situation for your son or daughter? And I think the only way that happens with coach Hardy and myself, the only way that happens is we had a great relationship. Right. And I even remember when he was going to sign at Iowa, I went on his trip to Iowa. And, and I was right there in the room when, when he told coach Ference, I'm going to be a Hawkeye. And his mom and dad were right there. And that was a, a very proud moment of, for me because I knew this guy trusted me. And I knew coach Doyle down there and I knew some of the people on the staff and it, my opinion meant something to Mike and when I said hey this is going to be a good fit for you it's going to be a good situation you know his parents were never in a situation where they didn't go to college they didn't do athletics it's very frightening as a parent to go through the recruiting process yep. and, and Brian I'm seeing this right now on social media and, and you're we I kind of laugh about it but you know you get all the division threes and, and we have an offer for you and and these kids feel like they got to go to every camp every single weekend. And they got to spend this amount of money and they got to travel here and there. It's like athletes take care of getting better, get in their, your your school's weight room, get, get into, you, you know, your summer program at sports advantage and be consistent lifting. Some of these kids are going and, and they're going every direction. They're not, helping themselves all they're doing is leading themselves to injury yep. and they're and they're decreasing their athletic performance because we all talk about it all the time brian you got to be consistent and athletes don't think and parents don't think you have to go to every camp right you don't have to there is a thing called technology right now for a huddle they have a huddle tape you can post your measurements i see you're doing vertical jumps flying tens all the time And them are accurate because you you have a speed light system, you have a free lap system, it's electronic. You got just jump mats. So the measurables are all there. Don't think you have to go to every camp and spend all this money. It's one of those pet peeves of mine that these kids are like, oh, I'm going this week, I'm going this week, I'm going this week, I need pads, I need this, I need that. And for some of these schools, they don't even give scholarships. So I'm telling you, athletes out there, all these schools that don't give scholarships are going to accept you whether they offer you or not, right? Because anyone can show up to practice. Anyone can do that, and
0: we well, do that all the time, Brian. Well, Dean, I think too. You know, we got. To, I, I think, in this one, I, I I struggle with 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 this a little bit, but it's pressure from from the different universities and the different the rivals and everybody else like that, you know, everybody's, we got to get you on campus. We got to get you on campus. And and I think there's some, I think there's some validity to that to a certain degree. Okay. But when you're, when you're at those camps and this is, I cause I've been at them and I've seen our kids at them and I've seen how they run and I've been, and I've run some of them. The guys that they're recruiting are in one group. And let me tell you guys, if you're not in that group, there's a good chance that, 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 that school is not going to be for you. Okay. And that's a hard reality, but that's real. That's real talk.
1: right?
0: Is that, you know, they want to see the kids that they have marked. Um, Now, if you blow something out of the water, great. Like if you're going to run a four, three, which probably everybody's listening here. I don't, I don't know if anybody can run a four, three, then, then you're going to garner some attention. You know, if you can jump 38, 40 inches, broad jump, 10, you know, 10, six things that are, you know, off the charts, then yeah. But at the end of the day, it still comes back to your film. You got to have good film. Okay. And, you know, we want to talk a little bit about Clay here, Dean, get back on track with, with Clay. Um, cool story. Obviously, small school kid went, to, went on to play college football, um, but it came down to the fact that he was just a really good high school player that gave him an opportunity to, to play. And so it doesn't matter where you go to school. Uh, you can go to the biggest high school in Wisconsin. You can go to the smallest high school in Wisconsin. You know, my college roommate went to Webster and he ended up pitching for the Anaheim Angels. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter where you go to high school. It matters what your film looks like. It matters how your grades are. It matters what kind of person you are. And if all of those are, if all of those boxes are checked, um, you've got a good chance to go on and play in college. And, and Clay... You know, said when he went there, to me, what it sounded like, he tried to find like-minded people like him to surround himself with to make the transition easier. And that comes down to being who you are, right? If you set foot on campus or if you set foot in the high school as a freshman, you're trying to be cool and you're trying to be the popular guy or girl or whatever. All of a sudden, at some point, okay, people are going to see through that, okay? And you're actually going to take steps backwards, you know, than continuing to grow as a person. So when you set foot on a campus, you know, it sounded like Clay did this, be be who you are, man. You know what I mean? Everybody says they wanna be the best version of yourself. Well, you can't do that if you're not being true to who you are.
1: And Brian, I think, you know, he really said, just be patient. You have to be patient. And I think, you know, so many of these kids, they think they're gonna to go to the university and they're gonna be the man right away or they're gonna be the performer. They're gonna be on varsity. They're gonna be the, the main attraction. You know, I always tell our kids, you got to understand, you go to college, some of these kids are four or five, even six years older than, than you are. And just think, when you came in as a freshman in high school, were you playing? Were you starting? Were you the star? And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on. Well, no, you know, I had to work my tail off for two, three years before I had that opportunity. And I think it's the same thing. And he said, being patient, I think you have to be patient. I think coaching wise, if you want to be a great coach, you got to be patient. You just don't come out of college because you played a, a sport in college and then start coaching and think you're great. Right. I mean, I think Mike Verstagen, who played in the NFL that was with the Badgers, he was one of our podcast guests. When he started coaching high school, he's like, Holy cow, is this hard? This is hard. And he had to be patient. And then he developed into an, an incredible offensive line coach, but it took a while. He didn't come in thinking, "Oh, well, I know everything and I'm going to I'm going to do this because of what I've done." Some of your best coaches didn't even play the game. Right. They didn't even play the game. And so it, you just have to be a great teacher. You got to be patient and like we always say, you got to just be continually hungry to get better. And that's what Clay is. Yeah. Clay loves the game of football. I saw that when I saw him in high school and I mentioned that to him, but a lot of kids love Hey, they love getting the social media. They love getting the edits. They love getting the kudos. They love all the praise. But do you really like the day-to-day, the grind of getting better? Do you like the workouts? Do you like the film study? As he mentioned numerous times, he enjoys that part of it. And so many enjoy just, hey, the Friday night under the lights or the game or the meet or whatever it is. But if you don't enjoy the grind, it's going to be very difficult to, in, uh, continue to continue your career once you're in college, especially the higher the level, the more time commitment as well.
0: Well, and Dean, when you talk about patience too, that was kind of our next thing on uh, coaching changes or facing adversity or okay. or things like that. And you know, I, I watch some of the and I and we go back to AAU and and travel baseball and some of this other stuff. There, there are some programs that do an exceptional job of getting their kids into colleges, all right, and higher level colleges, but when you look at the, at the end of their first year, half the kids transfer out, because they can't handle it, you know, because you're not in the right fit, and so a lot of times when you're picking your college, yeah, the coach has something to do with it, but I think high school athletes, you need to realize this, right, um, you need to pick the school, the coaching staff has to be a part of it, but you have to look at the community, you have to look at Um, you know, the strength staff, you have to look at the athletic trainers, you have to look at the education. There's so many things that go into it. And what we're seeing and what Clay talked about is that, you know, you have a coaching change and right away, everybody's jumping ship. You know what I mean? Versus, hey. Kids
1: and coaches, right. coaches, and coaches, 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 correct,
0: yeah. Instead of just waiting and seeing, making an educated decision once you have all the information all the information means you got to meet the new coach. You got to talk to him. You got to understand what he's like. What's his family like? You know, where's he from? Um, what's his philosophies? How is he, how is he going to raise the level of where we already are? Because typically a lot of times at, at, you know, the division two, division three, you know, those lower division one levels, you know, those are, let's call them what they are, those are opportunities for some coaches to really make a name for themselves, build a program and then move on to a higher level, which is fine, you, you know, and, and people want to talk about coaches leaving and stuff like that. You know what, if a coach does a good job and he wants to get better for his family, he has the right to do that. Okay, and, and anybody that says that, that, that that's wrong is, you know what, you don't understand, you know, athletics and, and competitiveness, because at the end of the day. If someone wants to have something better for their family, what they think is better for their family, then they should do that. Now, the NCA has done a great job of letting college kids basically make the same decision. Okay. But now you're talking about an 18, 19 year old making a decision versus a 45 year old. Okay. And, and a lot of times these transfer portals and these jumping ships because you're not playing after the first year, um, most of them don't work out. You know what I mean? There's a reason why you chose the school you chose first. Okay. Because you went through the vetting process. That's where you take the most time to understand where you think is going to be a good fit for you. And yeah, have circumstances changed? Absolutely. You know, now you have a new coach, you know, so what, but what are you going to do when you get a new boss at work? You are just going to quit, you know, when you're 35 years old and you got three kids at home and a wife or, 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 you know, or a husband or whatever, you are just going to quit. I mean, that sets a bad precedence for how you're going to live the rest of your life. Now, flip side of that, right? You go through the process, you know, you spend a couple of weeks, couple of months with this new coach, and you're just like, nah, he's not a good fit, like we talked about with Mike. You know, if Mike would have looked at that and been like, nah, this isn't a good fit for me, you know, now you've explored your options. Now you've given it some time, you've had some patience, and now you're making an educated decision for yourself. But just transferring, just because the coach left, I, I, I think that's a cop-out, quite frankly. That's me.
1: Yeah, Brian. I, I mean, there so many good, interesting points there. I'm going to take the coaching change to the youth level. And sure. I think that's why it's so very important as, as parents out there, because I know we got a lot of parent listeners, that get your kids in lots of different activities when they're young and have them experience different, not only different sporting movement patterns, but different, different skills that they are gonna learn in those sports, but also different coaches. I remember the frustrating thing for me when I was, my kids were doing athletics was, you know, I do coaching is what I do for a living, teaching and coaching is what I do. So this is my expertise where not everyone is like that. So I would like to take each of those situations where my son or daughters would come home and they would be frustrated and say, Hey, this is what happened. That would happen, or this is something I observed. And, I think you got to take the good with the bad and they have to learn from it and understand that, you know, if your son or daughter has a great youth coach that is making it fun, that is doing it in a positive way. And I think you have to, if your parent and your kid's involved with that, make sure you let that individual know because they're doing it volunteering. They're volunteering their time. And I think it's so important to make sure you go up to that coach and, and, and tell him, Hey, I really appreciate, you know, what you're doing to help my son or daughter. I don't think we get enough of that, Brian out there from parents. I think, you know, parents just want to know, Hey, what is in it? What's in it for their kid. And it's not about being the star. It's about the lifelong lessons that you learn and kids pick up on stuff real quick. Parents pick up on stuff real quick. If, if that coach, is got a kid, son or daughter, on a team, and they're and they're getting privileges. Hey, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. So you got to treat you got to treat each kid. I know they say you got to treat each kid fairly or the same, but you don't. You have to treat each kid as an individual and put those kids motivate them just like Coach Hardy. You got to you got to motivate it. Maybe if there's two other dads helping or moms helping, coach maybe somebody else can. Be, be the spark that lights that person's fire and, and helps them learn a skill or get them motivated or does it in a different little positive way that that person can learn. But I think you have to take those situations. And then the hard part for me is when my son or daughter had a really good coach. And then the next year had a coach that wasn't very good. I think that was really hard from a mental standpoint for my son or daughter to be able to do because they'd be like comparing themselves to a really good coach. And then all of a sudden now they're starting to get kind of turned off to the sport, right? Because they're seeing a way being done that isn't positive. For example, that's very negative. Cause right. you see some of that or winning at all costs, Brian, that, Oh my God, the coach is in a great mood if they win, but the coach is making us run extra if we lose and he's punishing us. So, them were situations I think where I, you know, I just sat down with my son or daughter and said, you know, this is why you're out for sports, and you know, this is what you're trying to get out of them. Yes, I don't, this, I don't agree with this or that or the other thing, but you got to understand, and you got to tell your son or daughter, you know, that you're proud that it's fun to watch them, and I, it can be a grind. A lot of parents, you know, I was just at a graduation party yesterday. And, you know, parents were coming from, there. You know, they're in between softball games and in between basketball yeah. games and in between baseball games. And they're running around and we can only stay for 45 minutes and then we got to get to the next game. And uh, you know, our, our game got rain delayed and blah, blah, blah. It's It can be very stressful for parents too because they're spending so much of their time and also their money, Brian, and giving their kids these opportunities. But bottom line is, hey, use a coaching change and find out how that coaching change can help your son or daughter or the individual. And we're in a coaching change right now at Kimberly high school. And as I mentioned, I think it can be such a positive and, you know, invigorating way of having kids be able to get there at practice and impress some new people. And and maybe, you know, there's a situation a lot of times where, some kids get in kind of a routine and they think, wow, maybe coach doesn't like me and maybe that's why I don't play, or maybe I'm not getting a fair shake or whatever. But I think you got to use that time. And like Chloe said, be patient. And like Mike did is a, a just bide your time. And he really caught on with his new coach. Right. And that's what sparked him. And he spent so much time in order to do that. So you got to look at it as it's going to, you got to be patient and you got to continually, think that hey, I got to utilize this as a good thing and don't always think of it as a bad thing like you said jumping hey I'm going to jump schools because this coach got there well why did you choose that school right was it because gotcha. of your major was it because of the setting you know are you just going to school for athletics well then right. you, then you didn't make a good decision right because not everybody's going to the NFL the major leagues into the NBA and whatever or be in the Olympics so that can tell you a lot right there of why you're in college, what you're trying to get out of it and everything else.
0: Well, Dean, these are some great topics, I think. Um, So I think we're going to close her down here, but uh, what do we got? Fox Valley throws. How was the first week last week? First
1: week was really good. We got a lot of people that have been to the club already. We got middle school kids. We got high school, college agents. It's just so great to see these kids helping each other, you know, building those relationships for, kids from different schools. And, you know, if I'm a younger kid and I get to see, for example, Quentin Wynn that's thrown at SEC Auburn University, what a cool experience for for those individuals. That's probably, Brian, very similar when you have your NFL athletes that are in your gym and they're saying something positive to one of the high school kids or one of the young kids. And, And what that does, I think it's so valuable when we start talking about helping individuals get better and improve their skills and it's really been a lot of fun. We got three more weeks out of the June sessions and we'll definitely have some July and August sessions as well because kids are there, they're getting better, they're learning things and they want to continually try to change their best.
0: That's awesome. Well, I've got some pretty exciting stuff for, for our listeners. Um, coming up this Wednesday, I believe it's June 15th, June 15th, six o'clock Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I get to sit down and, and talk with uh, big house, Joe Ken, uh, on dynamic discussions. Uh, so that's, you know, Joe has been a strength coach for 30 plus years. You know, he's one of the pioneers of collegiate professional strength and conditioning. Uh, so I'm honored to, to be able to sit down with him and 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 talk with him for, for a while. So uh, if you go to the dynamic uh, strength and conditioning website, uh, I'll put that in the show notes, um, where you could sign up to listen to that. It's a live discussion. Um, so I, I'm really excited to, to be on that podcast, Dean, with him.
1: Brian, that's awesome. I remember when A.J. Klein was p- playing for the Carolina Panthers, and Joe Ken was the strength coach. Yeah. As a matter of fact, one of the years, he was the NFL strength coach of the year. And um, he just had nothing but great things to say about Big House. Yeah. The relationships he builds and and really understanding, especially at that NFL level. When you talk strength conditioning, you're dealing with a wide variety of different types of athletes and different types of needs. And he was really good at individualizing, you know, their workout to, you know, it's a big difference when you got a a 10, 15 year vet and you have a rookie. And AJ said he was just awesome to work with. And just him working with the Cam Newtons and the Luke Keekleys of the world, he's uh, really been able to uh, work with some of the elite athletes.
0: Yeah. I'm really NFL. excited. I'm really excited. I'm honored actually, you know what I mean? Yes. To be able to be on that and talk with him. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll be tuning in for that. Everybody check that out. So appreciate you listening in today. Um, hope everybody has a great week. Great start to their summer. Make sure you keep grinding, keep working hard and we will see you next time. Chop it.